Welcome to Turnpikers, the show about the people who make up the Denver and Boulder tech scene. We're your hosts, Luke Beatty and Danny Newman. Information about this show is available at turnpikers.com and at turnpikers on Twitter. Welcome back to another episode of Turnpikers. Today we are joined by Samir Dalakia, CEO of SendGrid. Thank you so much for coming out here. I know you've got a flight to catch uh, back to the Bay Area here shortly, so make sure we get all of our questions in, but thank you very much. My pleasure, Danny. Thanks for having me. You know, a lot of our, our listeners here know of SendGrid. You know, I think it's a, one of the breakout successes of Techstars, which are, you know, near and dear to everyone's heart here yeah. in Colorado. Uh, so SendGrid went through 2009 Techstars program. I, I remember, you know, being there at Demo Day and oh, wow. being like, okay, this is super interesting, cool. Yeah. No way. Yeah, how is this going to make money? Yeah. You know, all, the, all of those <laughs> questions. And certainly, you know, one of the biggest, not the biggest, kind of graduates of the Techstars program. How did you, uh, how did you become in, involved in uh, Tell us kind of that origin story. Yeah, well, you know, the or, first, the most important part of the origin story, from my perspective, having just joined 20 months ago, is paying homage to our founders, um, Jose and Isaac and Tim, J- Tim J. We call them Tim Jenkins. Um, we're just are just extraordinary guys, and they did hit on a very particular pain point. Um, and I think, in you know, for anybody out there listening who's building a building a startup, the thing that they got right was hitting a very particular pain point that a very specific buyer and persona could actually go and put their credit card down and pay for. Uh, and that, that magic is why SendGrid took off uh, and went from, from tiny to, to where we are today, where we, we have visibility to 100 million in revenue. And it's, it's a remarkable, it's been a remarkable journey. So our founders have been awesome. Um, I'd also pay homage to the initial management team that was in place. So I did just join 20 months ago. Uh, and, uh, but Jim Franklin and the team that he built, um, for, you know, call it 2 million to 40 million was, uh, was a great team that figured out a lot of this business model, how you maniacally focus on the developer persona, right? And, and these things I'm wearing, wearing the, uh, the SendGrid blue t-shirt, we hand out 10,000 of these Absolutely. every year <laughs> at hackathons. And, you know, we stay very embedded and close to that de- developer community. Uh, it's a big part of who we are, and I think those guys just got a lot of things right. The pricing model, um, a big part of a SaaS business is how you scale um, revenue and make sure you don't end up in a SaaS leaky bucket problem, right, where you end up churning out more customers at the bottom than you're putting in at the top. When you have a model like ours where they ch- where we charge based on the number of emails sent, inherently you have a growth model from for any given cohort of customers. So a year later, they'll be bigger than they were um, a year prior. And that's actually relatively uncommon in SaaS businesses. So there's just a lot of things that the that the um, early team got right. Absolutely, um, I feel like SendGrid and Twilio are like yeah. my, the models of the uh, you know developer focus. Just and it's just amazing growth. Yeah, and that's, congrats that's on everything. Been, I and I do believe that was um, part of the part of the early magic that got that right, and why. You know, I, I'm with you. If I had been sitting in that in that room and looked at the pitch around SMTP API service from the cloud, is that going to be a thing? Right. <laughs> at this scale, I would never have predicted it. I think a big part of it is is the getting all those things right. And you know, the other one that I give, um, particularly uh, as I understand the history of it, um, Jim, my predecessor, credit for was was the the value system that it underlies and underpins our culture. Um, so we talk a lot about our four H's. Um, and the four H's are happy, hungry, humble, and honest. And um, uh, Jim sort of instituted that, and I think the company did a really great job of 
embracing it and then recruiting to it, promoting against it. It is deeply embedded in the company. Um, and I've tried to do everything I can to reinforce it and be a protector of the culture and an evangelizer of that culture because I think it is, it's so special. And I think it's a huge part of why SendGrid has been successful because it attracts great people that want to work in that kind of an environment. Um, and frankly, I think customers like working with people who exhibit those 4-H values. They really do, they, and therefore they want, they want to work with us. And that's a, a huge a huge advantage for us. That's very cool. And you maintain that culture. I know you've got, uh, you're headquartered, or you've been headquartered in Boulder. Yes. Word on the streets, you're moving that to uh, Denver. Yeah. Uh, you yourself are based in the uh, in the Bay Area, yep. and you've got another office in Orange County. That's right. You're able to maintain that awesome culture between all those different locations, and tell us about that. Yeah, well, and, and I think um, uh, anybody at SendGrid would tell you it's by being very intentional about that whole, about how you do that. So it's um, first and foremost, when you're setting up these offices that are not uh, in Colorado, where, where you have a center of gravity, um, and that is very much our headquarters and where our center of gravity is, um, you have to make sure that you have, you're seeding those early offices with people that live and uh, uh, just exude your culture. Um, and those, so we, when, for example, when we opened our Silicon Valley office, um, a year, a little over a year ago, we literally transplanted two people from each of our Boulder, Denver, and Orange County offices to form the initial core, and then we hired around them. Uh, and that was a big part of um, making sure that we preserve that culture and, and reinforce it. Um, the other thing you have to do is communication. Uh, and I talk a lot about having a very intentional communication architecture. And it sounds totally geeky and lame, but it's super important. <laughs> and so we have a very, a very specific cadence um, of how we're communicating across all those offices on a regular basis, getting the entire employee base um, all connected. And we invest a boatload of money in communications infrastructure. We got Google Hangouts and LifeSize, <laughs> every commu video communication mechanism you can imagine that can allow people to see each other face-to-face, um, -face, even if there's a screen in front of That's them. That's amazing. And I'm sure teams within the same office or uh, same uh, city are still doing that kind of communication. So oh, being absolutely. separated by thousands of miles doesn't even matter. That's right. So this show, you know, is is very much uh, kind of a technology show about the Denver Boulder tech scene. And uh, for a very long time, Boulder has been the, the center of the Colorado mm -hmm. entrepreneurial startup ecosystem. And uh, the Denver scene is definitely kind of catching up to that. Yeah. Um, and it's really interesting uh, with companies like yours who, you know, very much started and, and were very core to yeah. kicking off a lot of the Boulder yeah. uh, scene are now moving. Obviously, yeah. you're not shipping everyone there, but, you know, from a headquarters quarters and physical location, you're now moving to Denver. Yeah. Um, tell us why you're... Uh, why of, make that move? Yeah. 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 And I, so a couple thoughts on that. You know, one, um, I, I think, first off, hats off to Foundry Group, Techstars, and I know there are a lot of other firms. That, those are the ones I'm closest to, uh, but those... Those are the core, the core uh, kind of... Uh, instigators. Exactly, of, of, of everything <laughs> they, we've got going on. Here, they have sure. been remarkable at, at creating that uh, in, in Boulder, and, and SendGrid's certainly a, a beneficiary. Um, and, uh, you know, I would say for us, the, the announcement of the move uh, to Denver and creating the, the headquarters here um, was really just one of scale. Um, so, you know, in, in Boulder, um, we grew that office from zero to 60 um, over a handful of years. But then it's, we, we sort of, you know, we kind of stabilized. Whereas here, 
in Denver, we opened an office, I guess it was four years ago, uh, with 12 people, and today it's 150. You know, and so just the size of the talent pool, um, I think, is just is, is that much larger. Um, and so that was a big part of it, was just being able to, and, and then all of a sudden, then when you're looking at 150 people in one place and 60 in another, um, and you believe um, as deeply as I do that having everybody in one place can generate an energy um, and co having co-location of work can make a ton of sense. Um, that's what led us to the decision of like, okay, we're, we're within 45 minutes. Now, clearly, you know, Orange County, Silicon Valley, you know, those are a thousand, you know, 1,500 miles away, 500 miles away from each other in California. There you don't have the opportunity to, to collapse down. But when you're, when you're 45 minutes apart, being in one place just creates tons of, tons of advantages to um, reinforce the culture, create an energy, drive more efficiencies and productivity of having everybody in one place. Um, and so uh, I, I do think that, that that'll probably be an increasing trend as people scale, um, like SendGrid, when you hit, hit our scale, you know, with uh, a couple hundred people growing in just in Colorado growing, uh, we would probably expect to double and triple that over the next four or five years. Um, uh, being being in Denver is going to make a lot of sense. That makes sense. And so on that growth uh, that you're talking about, how are you uh, attracting and retaining talent on all fronts? Yeah. Um, well, it's a big part of um, what we're trying to do in Colorado with um, the Boulder and Denver sites while we're, co while we're collapsing the sites into one and co-locating everybody here in Denver. Um, we're introducing uh, a very much a Silicon Valley concept of this Wi-Fi bus that's going to connect our existing talent population, our existing employees in Boulder to this new Denver site um, where they can start to think of their day as beginning the moment they step onto that Wi-Fi bus, you know, with it's Wi-Fi enabled, it's on our private network, they can have meetings with each other <laughs> on the drive in and on the drive back, it's part of their workday. And that's very much common um, in Silicon Valley where you're trying to connect San Francisco and Silicon Valley. The, the analogy is almost identical. They're 45, 45 minutes away without traffic, 30 miles, but with traffic could be a nightmare, <laughs> you know, um, very, very similar, but huge disparate talent pools that need to get connected. Um, and so with the Wi-Fi bus, I think we'll, we'll be able to achieve that. So that's sort of, I, I would say, the way we think about the talent pools in Colorado, um, which, which I, I believe are, are rich. We want to we tap into both of those, not just one. Um, I do believe the, the millennials that are, that are descending on Denver because it is an awesome city, it's a beautiful place to live, it's so close to all the outdoors um, and lots of acti um, activities that people love to do, it just creates a ripe hiring environment for lots of functions that are really critical to the building of a software company. Um, and that kind of, that kind of talent uh, and youth is, is instrumental. So, um, so we view that as a huge strategic asset. I was, I was joking earlier um, with one of our colleagues that I have plenty of peers, uh, CEOs of Silicon Valley companies who are very envious of our situation where we have this huge center of gravity in Colorado that we can continue to scale um, because scaling in the Bay Area is hard. It's expensive. Attrition is high. Churn, you know, trying to trying to attract the talent, the the competition for it. You know, unless you're the next, if you're not Uber, right, and a unicorn and all these types of crazy things, it's um, it's very difficult. So um, we have this huge advantage to be here, have this center of gravity, and and be able to continue to add um, add talent in a talent rich pool.
Do you think that that's a, uh, I mean, is this a trend that's that's just kicking off? Have you guys found something unique? Is this community something that uh, Silicon Valley companies are going to potentially Continue. see what you're doing uh, and yeah. kind of work this way? Oh, I don't have any question that, that um, I think that trend is um, well in process. Um, I think many, many of the Silicon Valley shops have recognized the need to open um, other locations that where they can scale. And uh, I think, you know, Denver's a great, a great site for that. Austin, Texas has been another great one. Um, and so you're just, you're going to continue to see more and more of that because again, just scale, cost of living, co- competition, attrition, all those reasons are just make it difficult. And so um, uh, there are now, by the way, you know, flip side of all this is there are still things that are, um, that are relatively unique and special about Silicon Valley and the Bay Area where you can attract certain kinds of talent that are in, in broader quantities. And so I don't think it'll ever be like, and Silicon Valley will die. Right, right. <laughs> I don't expect that to happen any t- in my lifetime. Um, truly, just literally in my lifetime, I don't think that's going to go anywhere. Um, and the and, orders of magnitude of money that is concentrated there from an investment perspective, I feel like, is, is the, just unmatched anywhere else. It, 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 the thing that Silicon Valley has on um, most of the other tech cities that are emerging um, is decades. Like literally, yeah. that, that is the advantage is that um, the early uh, Stanford University to start, um, just the creation of this machine of churning out graduates who are always on the cutting edge of whatever and then a VC community that surrounds it. And then you end up over the generations with dozens, hundreds, thousands, tens of thousands, just keeps growing generation after generation of entrepreneurs and talent who have been through the cycle and actually been through the cycle three times, four times, five times, where then culturally failure is not a, is not a, uh, you know, the, the scarlet letter. It's all of those things. And that just takes 60 years, 70 years <laughs> like that. And that's about how long they've been doing it there. Um, and, uh, and so every other city will have, you know, have to have to play that out. It'll take decades to build this at the same scale. But, um, but the magic is that, right. It's literally, it's all those pieces that come together and then work on themselves over decades. Completely makes and, sense. And yep. I think Denver, yeah. I think Denver, yep. I could see Denver, Austin, I think Boston. Yep. I think those are New York. We'll obviously, we'll replicate that yep. over time. Yep. Yeah, that totally makes sense. And yeah, obviously, I think there is that magic going to the Bay Area, going to Silicon Valley. Like, it is it is a historical something in the air, yeah. for sure. No, That's there's a, an energy there. Yeah, absolutely. No absolutely. Um, what is the, uh, what's the future for SunGrid? You guys are very developer-focused still, obviously. Are you growing offerings? How are you growing your client base? Like, what are kind of some of the, uh, you know, how do, how do you go from 100 million in revenue to double, triple, yeah, quadruple that? And keep scaling. We're excited about it. I think there, um, there are probably a, a handful of big vectors for us um, that that we're really excited about. I'd say one of them is just in that core that core infrastructure business. There's uh, that that we provide today that API cloud based service. Plug it into the back of your application and we will provide the automated email communications to your end users, whether that's for a sign up or a password reset or a receipt or confirmation, et cetera. Um, there, um, there's lots that we can go do to continue to scale that um, as basic as M&A. So SendGrid's been, you know, we've been around, we invented the category, our founders, Isaac and Tim and, and Jose built this thing in 2009. As often happens, the investors got funded three other competitors. There were five other competitors that are lookalikes and 
SendGrid's factors, if not an order of magnitude, larger than most of those those players, and they're running out of. Uh, so we've already had we've already made one acquisition. Um, I would be surprised if we don't make another couple few over the next few years. So we'll we'll consolidate there. That'll continue to drive growth. Um, just doing what we're doing there better. Um, a lot of uh, outbound selling, you know. So we today, the vast majority of our business, they come find us. It's literally Google search. They, I need to solve this problem, and they read about SendGrid, and they come to, they come to us, and they put their credit card down, which is an awesome model. Um, that really works for anybody who was born as a company after 2009. As you know, there are a lot of companies that were born before <laughs> 2009. And so we're just building a sales team to actually go knock on doors now, and to go make calls and say, hey, we've got this great service. You've been doing it this other way. You really ought to move to the cloud like every other thing that's moving to the cloud. Um, so big opportunities there. In terms of the portfolio, I would say a market adjacency that is probably one of the biggest thrusts is um, around the marketing persona. So we talked about the developer persona and email. Uh, very adjacent to that is email marketing, helping the marketer use this absurdly cost-effective channel. Right, It's 30, you know, a $38 return for every $1 spent on email marketing. It's, it's, it's still one of the most cost-effective ways a marketer can reach their audience. And um, we have customers who are always asking us, you do this other stuff for us, but you don't, you historically, we didn't have an email marketing solution, and so they'd have to go somewhere else to go get it. But they start with us because you can't start your application and not have it send a password resetter. So that happens on day one. Right. We are the incumbent. We're in this position to provide them the service if we had it. Um, we launched uh, our next generation of our email marketing product uh, just a handful of months ago at the end of last year in Q4. We already have nearly 3,000 paying customers on the system. It's taken off. It's double-digit uh, millions in revenue every uh, on an ARR basis for us. It's a real business now uh, in a very short time frame. And that category um, is a $2 billion TAM. Yep. Like, it's a huge market and we're just scratching the surface. That completely uh, makes sense. I think everyone's always, uh, you know, from a startup perspective, you know, you get to that point, you've obviously yeah. set up all of your, you know, password resets, all of that kind of stuff through yeah. through you guys. And then it's like, okay, now I need to send out my newsletter. Oh, why, That's uh, right. <laughs> why can't I do that? Why can't it? I just do that with you? Yeah. Now with now with SendGrid, That's you can. Great. So we're building, we moved, you know, the way we t describe it um, is making the shift from being an email infrastructure to an email platform. That's amazing. Where we can take care of all of your email needs. Um, beyond that is then, um, the way we can leverage our data. So the scale of the system now, we serve, we have 80,000 active customers on the system every month. On behalf of them, we send uh, on average about 25 billion emails every month, which is about two times more tweets than Twitter sends out every month. Like the scale is, is just staggering. We touch one and a half billion unique email recipients every month. Like one and a half billion unique emails is probably some material percentage of all the world's <laughs> um, right email there recipients. With Facebook's uniques, right? Yeah. Right, and so you, you you can start to get um, insights in from that massive data store um, that can help our customers be more efficient and tailored and optimized. And so we're do, we're investing in a big data team. So anybody out there who's interested in big data, we got a playground for you. Come come send in your resume. We'd love to talk to you. There's lots we're doing there. Um, international. I mean, we're going to hit 100 million in revenue next year, and we literally don't have a single salesperson that is not in the United States. I mean, it's just crazy. I went on a business trip to India 
uh, a couple months ago. We have like 2,000 customers there. We've never, we literally do not have they a did not sell to. We do right. not have a SendGrid employee on the ground. Um, and, and the people that I'm meeting with, they're like, oh, you guys should totally be selling to so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so. And I've never even heard of these companies' names. Of course not. Like, we live over right. here. Right. And so um, just showing up in some of these international markets will will make a big difference. That's that. that so the growth trajectories I get. Long story, long sure. answer to no, your short question. No, great. <laughs> we have growth vectors everywhere, and it's literally about prioritizing them right now. You really were the, you know, you, you invented this category, like you said, but large competitors have popped up, Amazon probably being a scary one or potentially, you know, yeah. uh, is that somebody that it could potentially come in and, you know, because you're already hosting and you're doing all your other stuff, it's the same way that I yeah. want to do my email marketing through you because it's easy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, why not go Amazon? I mean, I'm sure you guys are still yeah. ahead from a technical perspective, but... Yeah. What's that look like? You know, any, anyone who is uh, dismissive of Amazon or AWS as a competitor is, um, is inane. <laughs> we, uh, we worry about them all the time. The good news for us is they, certain, they introduced um, their service five years ago. Mm -hmm. um, and that's in the same five-year span that we have, you know, uh, grown five times, right? So uh, our, in our business is probably on a revenue basis, probably still many factors larger um, than, than that particular service line. The great news for us is that AWS EC2 and S3, <laughs> those are $5 billion businesses that have TAMs that could be $20 billion businesses. I don't, I don't expect and wouldn't think it would make sense for the AWS leadership team to say, well, let's go spend a lot of energy over here because we think we could build a $200 million business. Right. Versus, a, you know, it's just not as, um, uh, from a prioritization perspective, not, thankfully, over yeah, the last five, yeah, six years, yeah. has not been something they've decided to do today. They could always change their mind. And so that just keeps us on our toes. And a yeah. lot of what we have to provide is getting the technology ever better, a lot of services and capabilities and, and coaching around what we do. You know, it's remarkable to me, Danny, when I joined, um, that email is as complicated as it is. Like, actually getting your email from the application to an inbox and having it land in the inbox, not the spam folder. I just assumed, well, isn't that relatively straightforward? I don't. Isn't that what email <laughs> is? Yeah, yeah, like I thought uh, that was like I hit send, it shows up, right? And apparently that's not the case when it is automated emails or, or gen, you know, non one to, not person to person email um, is very very complicated. And so we have an entire staff. We literally have dozens and dozens of people who do nothing but help coach our customers on how to do this well and how to lower their spam rates, how to high, raise their deliverability and inboxing rates. And, uh, you know, that's the kind of thing that's really not aligned to the Amazon business model. But they don't want to have a support person pick right. up the phone. We have a 45-person support team for our tiny little business relative to what they do because the support really matters. For what, when if, if you're an application and the email isn't getting to the user – that's your business. Like, that's your customer that's not getting communicated to. That's not okay, and they want somebody on it immediately. So I think there are still things that we, we keep investing in and doing that make me feel um, uh, reasonably confident that we can continue to compete and win in the market that we've defined. Um, but we will always remain paranoid about them. <laughs> that's, uh, you, but you guys are, are killing it. I love it. It's We're trying. Very cool. We're trying. That's cool. Real quick, uh, what's, your, what's your background? What were you up to? 20 months ago or 21 ah, before, months ago. Yeah, coming in. <laughs> you know, I was, um, my my 18 years prior to uh, 18 of my 20 years was actually in a very different world. I was in, in classic enterprise software um, 
selling, you know, enterprise deals, six, seven, eight-figure deals to large global 2,000 companies. The, the most recent company I was at was a company called Citrix, which is a $3 billion software company um, that uh, I was the, the GM for their cloud business. So hence, the, you know, the cloud was the theme that I carried in. Yeah. I was like, I love this, this transition that's happening around cloud. I want to find a company that is, that is cloud, but I want it to be SaaS-based, recurring revenue model, you know, uh, all the all the, the next gen, I, new gen, the yeah. next gen, yeah. right? And uh, and so I've I've loved loved um, uh, SendGrid in that in that transition, but it was great. I ended up at Citrix uh, because I've been I was the CEO of a startup that got acquired into it, um, which I had done for three or four years prior to prior to the Citrix stuff, um, and before that I was at a uh, a traditional enterprise software shop for twelve years prior to that that was at the application software layer like um, CRM software. And, uh, and, and that company went from probably 50 people when I started to 1,500 people when, when I left. It was you know, uh, from probably 10 million to 300 million over the course of that 12-year span. Um, and so I've, just, I've had the luxury of my career of learning uh, these different stages of company life cycle and, and, trying to, and piecing all together like, okay, what, we need to maintain the, the fire of the entrepreneurial startup, which is what I got from the thing that got acquired into Citrix. Right. Um, but I learned an awful lot of, but here's how you have to deal with scale. And I learned a lot of that when you're inside of a 7,000 person company like Citrix, you learn about process and scale and leadership and communication and how you have to do things when you're, when you can't just go rally the group in a room and, <laughs> and tell them what to go do. Like, here's what we have to get accomplished. Everybody stack hands, let's go break. You know, it's much easier when you've got hundreds of people, that's no longer possible. Um, and, uh, and so I just learned through all those kind of company life cycles. That's amazing. It's, it's been really, it's really fun. And I just feel like in some ways I've been training for 20 years for this SendGrid opportunity. And I do feel like it is a, a great privilege and a great opportunity. Um, uh, to, to be able to lead this company. It's really fun. That's very cool. Well, thank you so much. I know you've got a uh, flight. I know TSA has uh, been a great, uh, <laughs> great pain these uh, days. Anything else you want to uh, leave our listeners with? Uh, other than uh, we are hiring, and uh, please consider us. It is a phenomenal company. As a guy that was considering uh, joining it not long ago, I will tell you that it is a wonderful place filled with uh, great people. And... Um, a business model that, that is truly remarkable. And we're very excited about the future, still pre-IPO with, with great trajectory. Um, so you can't name a function that we're not hiring for. And uh, we'd love to bring on some more uh, Coloradans to, to the team. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Really appreciate you uh, coming by. My pleasure, Danny. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to Turnpikers, recorded at Postmodern Company in downtown Denver. More information on this show is available at turnpikers.com and at turnpikers on Twitter. Reach out with questions and recommend future guests.